This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, life coach, and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing speaking up and sharing a story about how I found my voice. This is one of those episodes where there's a little bit of a lot of different things, and you each may relate to this episode differently. I have so much fun getting feedback from you all on Patreon and on Instagram about how you relate to different episodes. We're all similar as highly sensitive people, but we're all really different, and I really like what we take from different things, how we process. It's part of the beauty of the difference and the similarity in our tribe. In this episode, I'm sharing a story of teenage me speaking up and having some experiences that broke down generational racist black and white relations where I grew up in Southern Louisiana in the 90s. I talk about my first workplace family system. And at the end of the show, I'm going to share our big announcement. It's a big positive change happening with the show. So hang out till that sweet outro music rolls to hear about our big announcement. All right, let's dive in. For an HSP, for a highly sensitive person and or a childhood trauma survivor that was dominated and or parentified, if you were taught to be a people pleaser, taught to be perfect, to try to avoid chaos or the wrath of a rageful, angry parent, speaking up is a very confusing dilemma. And it's an endeavor to speak up. And we can have a whole lot of overprocessing and story creation from the anxious mind about speaking up. I had an experience in high school that showed me how quiet, how conflict adverse, how internal and people pleasing I was. I had my first fine arts class in the second half of 10th grade. It was a one semester instead of a yearly class. And once this semester started mid-year, a boy, a very cute boy, sat behind me. And every single day, he asked me for a pen or a pencil. He would lean toward me. He was behind me. And he would lean toward me and tap me on the shoulder and say, do you have a pen or a pencil I could borrow? And I'd wordlessly reach into my backpack and hand him a writing utensil every single time over and over again. And he would just thank me. At the end of class, he would try to give it back and I'd say, no, 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 it's okay. Or I'd just kind of mumble. This happened every day. 
I had that class four days a week for an entire semester. About six months, maybe a year later, I was working my second, what I thought of as my real paycheck job beyond babysitting at a fast food chain. So I'm working at this fast food place for a few months and it really pushed me out of my shell. It made me get out of my comfort zone and it was excruciatingly awkward and anxiety producing for me. And yet it was really, really good for me. It helped me find my voice. At 16, I was working the drive through window in the fast food place where I was timed and I was expected to have everyone through my window under 30 seconds. Anything over a minute was a problem. So it was fast food, but it was also high pressure. And I've genuinely tried to do well in any role and any job I've ever had. And I took this job seriously. I had to engage people. I had to talk. I had to talk to staff. I had to talk to customers. I had to talk to the kitchen if I messed something up in the order and I knew they were going to be upset. I had to deal with how fast paced this was despite my overwhelm and desire for things to be slow. This was a very, very, very constantly busy fast food restaurant right off the highway and very close to some Louisiana parade routes. And I happened to work there during the Mardi Gras season. Lines would wrap around the building and down the street and would seem endless. We would work nonstop for hours on end. Just like runners get a runner's high, we had a work pace high. And anybody who's ever worked in any kind of restaurant, when you get in the flow and you get busy, it's really, really hard, but it's really, really rewarding. And when that team works together to make everything happen, there's a satisfaction in the teamwork that really I've never felt outside of working in a restaurant, even though working in a restaurant is very, very, very difficult. I learned a lot about a lot at that job. Most of the employees were black and the guys in the kitchen, a lot of them had served time in prison for marijuana charges. Now at the time, I had no concept. To me, marijuana was the same as heroin, was the same as cocaine. I didn't understand that different drugs were different. I was in the place of all drugs bad. I had been warned by my family and my managers not to fraternize with the older kitchen staff. And some of that was about my age. I was 16. They were in their 20s. I didn't listen, and I'm so glad I didn't, because they helped me grow so much. It was a big education in breaking down this idea of, one, dangerous ex-cons, bad, bad, be scared. Because I didn't act standoffish with them, and I was polite and respectful and kind, we bonded. They looked out for me. I felt safe with them. That restaurant, it's a national chain. This would have been about 1996, would manipulate the time clock. That's what my managers would do. They would manipulate the system that clocked our hours so that I could work longer hours than was legally allowed with an underage work permit. So I would often close that fast food restaurant at night on school nights between 11 p.m. and 1 a.m. in the morning. The staff of that place, we spent a lot of time together. And late at night, there would only be one or two people in what we call the front of the house and a full kitchen staff at the back of the house. Late night in a fast food restaurant right off the highway, 
had some really dangerous moments. People would scream at me if I happen to be out of chicken nuggets. People drive through fast food, yes, like they are jonesing for drugs, like I was selling heroin through that drive through window. So if we were out of something, they would often rage at me. Sometimes if I made a mistake, someone would squeal the tires or if they were just unhappy, they would squeal the tires, leaving the drive through to park in the main lot and come inside to scream at me. Those men that I had been told to stay away from, they stood up for me. Those men helped me laugh at myself. When I would come into work, they would sing the Hey Mickey song, but say Nikki. When I'd come into work and I'd blush bright red, completely embarrassed from head to toe to have that much attention at me. And then they'd laugh until I'd laugh. They helped me learn to laugh at myself. If something happened in the front of the house with an angry customer, often the kitchen staff would walk immediately to the front as a show of force, sometimes saying things like, say it to me, not to her, to be protective over me. Or one might turn to me and say, Nikki, go to the back. I've got this. And that customer would all of a sudden calm down. None of those men ever tried to date me or make a move on me. And we would have deep discussions while we were closing and cleaning up the restaurant. It was the first time someone described weed, marijuana to me as a drug different than harder drugs. And I could tell, I could sense that these guys didn't have any kind of drug problem. They were really good stand-up guys. This gave me one of my first experiences, the first experience, with how wrong it was that these men had been incarcerated for marijuana. I often have the thought that requiring people to work together, different races, different cultures, where we have to be a team, those experiences really force us past our awkwardnesses, if you will. And it takes all the unknown awkward fear that is underneath so much, not just racism, but differentism, which is really what racism is beneath the surface. If we worked together, we would get to know each other as people. And all those fears, all those judgments, the generationally taught things that get passed down that are wrong and incorrect and fear-based would be eradicated. It was these men who told me not to feel bad, that I had been a bit intimidated and scared of them at first. Because after we became friends, I could tell them that. And they understood and they told me that their mamas, about three of them, had warned them about me, too. A thought I never would have had if they hadn't told me that. They had been told that young white girls were jailbait and to stay away. It blew my mind as a brand new thought I had never considered that I might be dangerous for them or that their parents would think so. And it made me sad that there was truth to what they were saying. Because I had been raised with a lot of racism. And I told them that too, these men, this work family. I think it was healing for all of us to have platonic relationships where we genuinely liked each other. Coming from different worlds in some ways, learning that the way we connected with others and saw the world had similarity, we were so much more similar than different. That fast food job was my first real job place family system. 
And I felt seen and protected and understood. And I was encouraged there to speak up. In having these black-white conversations back then, we were saying the things that we weren't supposed to say out loud. And that broke the tension of those teachings of the things that were taught that we're not supposed to say out loud. It clears them. And then we can just relate as people. These irate, immature customers who were aggressive and wrong that I had to deal with. Yes, they were aggressive and wrong. To come at anybody that way is wrong, clearly. To come at a young teenage girl working one of her first jobs is particularly wrong. But it happened a lot to me, not just at work, out in the world too. Because the real sad truth is growing up in a dysfunctional family, it gave me a certain energy. I gave off an energy that I was constantly on guard for someone to rage at me since my mom was a rager. And in holding that energy of you are about to get in trouble, you are about to rage at me, you're about to come at me like a puzzle piece fitting together into another puzzle piece. They did come at me. The point I'm trying to make right here is that it's very easy to point at the bad behavior or the wrongdoings of others. But our freedom from any pattern, even this pattern that I was in, of having been programmed to be the whipping boy in a sense, my freedom has been found in taking responsibility for my side of the street here, for my vibes, however these vibes developed. It wasn't my fault that I was born into this family system and these vibes developed, these trauma responses, this traumatized energy. But at a point, my freedom was in taking responsibility for what had become of my energy, for my way of moving through the world. It was as if this energy communicated to people, to aggressive, predatory, abusive people, hey, I am really good at receiving abuse. If you want to be abusive, here I am. You are in luck. You hit the jackpot today. I'll receive that from you. Come and get me. This develops because we're drawn to what we know until we grow and heal and know something different and something healthier. And what I knew was people coming at me. And then I walked the world and people came at me. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask them all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? Well, we hear you and we have been there too. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. Who are we? I'm Dr. Jess Steyer, a public health scientist and also co-host of the Unbiased Science Podcast. Every day, I'll chat with one or both of your new pediatrician besties, Dr. Dina DiMaggio, a general pediatrician, and Dr. Anthony Porto, a pediatric gastroenterologist. We'll talk about all the things related to our kids' health, from dealing with a colicky infant to navigating puberty in the teenage years. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, now live on all podcast platforms. The boy who sat behind me in fine arts walked into the fast food restaurant one day in uniform. He had been interviewed and hired when I wasn't around. He gasped when he saw me and said really fluidly without thinking something to the effect of, 
You're the girl I tried to talk to every single day. You were the mute girl. I couldn't get you to say a word. We became friends. We never dated. And every now and then during our friendship, during those last years of high school, he'd just remind me how funny he thought it was that I hadn't been able to talk. And then I had come out of my shell. I had a lot to say. Since that job, I have been evolving my voice, my self-assertion, my speaking up abilities, not because I ever wanted to, but because I realized that life requires speaking up sometimes. It's been a lifelong journey coming from that almost mute girl living like someone was going to one way bestow a people pleasing Olympic gold medal on me one day. In letting go of the people-pleasing, the fear of what others will think, the fear of being judged as weird or bitchy or pushy for speaking up or speaking my mind, or letting go of the people-pleasing terror of having a dissenting or unpopular opinion, something that terrifies the average highly sensitive person or trauma survivor. I realized at a point that I had been programmed to shut up and shut down, to be a passive woman, even a doormat. And that there might be women or people who are satisfied, truly being passive, staying quiet, going with the flow of what other people want. But I just wasn't truly this person. I had tried to be, and it didn't feel good. It felt uncomfortable. I was stuffing the truth of myself down. I saw how it hurt me when I stayed quiet, how I stressed how I overthought moments, moments before they happened, moments after they happened. I would rehash and rehash, perseverate on regret about not having said what I needed to say. I have spent hours and hours and hours of my life, tons, I mean metric tons of emotional energy, rehashing, should have said this, should have said that. Why didn't I think to say this in the moment? And I had to admit I just wasn't a passive person. I wanted to be directive. I wanted my ideas to be heard because I have good ideas. And I wanted to be heard even though it overwhelmed and frightened me to throw my thoughts into a conversation, to add to it, to be a part of living in life and relating in this way instead of just a witness. Speaking up isn't one directional work like it might sound. Speaking up work is not a radical permission of starting to blast your mouth wherever you go. Speaking up does not mean putting words to every single feeling, every insight, every intuition or observation. To speak up effectively and reasonably, we have to learn when it is wise to also be quiet, to let things go, to wait to let life unfold. As we grow and evolve as people who are awakening and embracing self-development and more effective coping strategies for inner and outer life, we grow into ourselves more artfully. We are human beings and it is an art form to live this life well, to learn how to relate to ourselves and then to relate to each other is really art form. We are living through and processing through every experience we've ever had and every experience we've never had. 
things we've learned along the way, things we've read, things we've listened to, movies we've watched, things we've been taught directly and indirectly. As I have stepped more into the art form of becoming myself, my life experiences have helped me shed these teachings that no longer served me or never ever did in the first place. You deserve to learn how to speak up. This life requires a certain amount of speaking up. Doesn't mean you have to have a podcast. Doesn't mean you have to go to the moth and share a story on stage in front of hundreds of people. But in some way, in some form, in your life, your life will ask you in different moments to speak up. I have a sister episode available right now on Patreon that sisters this one. It's called The Why of Speaking Up. It's a list of why should we speak up? What speaking up actually does for us, to us, and with us. If you're interested in that, come to patreon.com backslash emotional badass. You'll be able to listen to that episode right now if you want to and any of the other over 50 exclusive episodes that are nowhere else. They're not on the website. They're not on the iTunes feed. They're not on Spotify. They're only on Patreon. I want to take a couple seconds to just tell you this is the last time I'm going to mention the Boundaries course this year. It starts on October 10th. For the first time in years, I'm considering not teaching it next year. When I have taught it the last, I think, seven years, maybe this is even eight. I've got to go back and count. So if you want to come do boundaries work with me, come sign up for October 10th. If you can't be there live, that is okay. There is an option for you to work through it on your own. Come to emotionalbadass.com backslash boundaries to learn more and to sign up. Now, here is the big announcement. And I don't have anything written out in front of me because I want to speak it from my heart. We have been doing the show four and a half years. We have never missed a week. It has been like our baby. We have nurtured it. We have grown it. We couldn't have done any growth without your help. Since the very beginning, since the very first show, y'all have, I'm not going to be able to get through this without being teary. Y'all have shared it across the entire world. We're in over 100 countries, almost every single country. Y'all, some kind of way, there are four downloads in North Korea. I don't understand it, but it sure gives me a kick to think of somebody in North Korea hearing me. We have done everything on the show as just me and my little team. I've been on interviews. I've interviewed people that I've hand-selected. And there comes a time and a place where we have to grow. We change. We connect with new people. We do that in life and we do that in business. And it feels risky and it feels scary to face change because it's a big unknown. But to grow and not be stagnant, we lean into change anyway. A while back, I was invited to be on Jill Tietz's podcast, Sober Powered. And it was one of those empath moments for me where everything in my body went, yes, yes, yes. I don't think I've ever been on a microphone where I had more flow and felt more fully who I am sharing myself 
And that was because of the space Jill held for me and the energies of openness that happened between the two of us. I've had her own emotional badass. And recently she contacted me and my team to invite us to join her new podcast network, Sober Powered. And we said yes. That means we are going to be part of a network. We are the sixth show. There are some great shows on the network and you'll be hearing more about them soon. Nothing is going to change about the content of the show. We still have complete creative control. But as of last week, Emotional Badass is part of the Sober Powered Network. By partnering up, we are going to be able to grow the show and our audience far beyond what we could have alone. One of the big changes that we're going to make is that we're going to have ads. We have said at certain times over the years that we have tried not to have ads. We were growing the Patreon, trying to make that work to not have to take advertisements. And we're really at a point where we need to bring that revenue in to take the show to the next level. Now, whenever you were faced with change in your life, I hope that you hold on to who you are and what you need. One of the reasons we've said yes to this is because we get to have total 100% control over what we advertise. So I get to advertise things that I have already been excited about and wanted to advertise and share with you. I feel good about this change. I feel a little scared. I feel a little nervous. It'll be the first time that I record something that is an advertisement for something that isn't my own thing. And working with other people is awesome and exciting. I'm a super introvert. It's a little scary. And it's a good growth edge for me to lean into. I want to thank y'all for being on this journey with me. It fills up my heart knowing that there are so many people out there in the world that are allowing themselves to own their sensitivity to grow their coping strategies, to evolve their inner child, to step into more joy and more peace, to let go of the effects of old trauma, and to expand, to build into a life that every baby that comes into the world deserves. Expansion, peace, security, community, love, and light. Thank you all for listening all the way to the end so that I could share this announcement with you. And thank you for bearing witness to my growth. So you will see those changes coming soon. Until then, I hope this episode and all of the episodes helps you find a way to stand up and speak up in your life. Light and love. I'm an emotional badass. You're an emotional badass. And together we are where Moxie meets Mindful. I'll see you right here next time with a brand new episode. Bye-bye. it's hard to sleep at night then the sleep cove podcast can help you 
Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long.